It's a fake holiday I made up. It's uh, an Instagram event where you get to highlight the importance of flashing details. And they told us it was because the previous installer said there wasn't any room for flashing. What's up, everybody? This week, we celebrate the second annual International Flashing Awareness Day, a holiday invented by our friends at Big Dog Construction. Today, I'm joined by Gina Hoyt and Aaron Jones of Big Dog Construction and Garrett Davis of At The Life Above, along with a star-studded cast of reputable home builders. And if you're joining the pod for the first time, my name is Mike Kenoki. I'm a general contractor in Alaska and host of this here podcast since May of 2021. During the pod, Aaron is going to give you instructions on how you can participate in International Flashing Awareness Day. And a quick little aside here for those of you who might be tuning in for the first time. Normally, the pod doesn't focus on construction technique because we're all experts at how we build where we live. But the business basics are universal. And that's the focus of the pod normally. And we're trying to build a better building community by sharing ideas. And by sharing those ideas, we build better communities. So today we make exception to that rule and talk about this incredibly important universal building technique that is so often overlooked and ends up in failure. But I want to tell you this, this show has been broadcast in over 70 countries. So we have a real opportunity to spread the word. If you choose to participate on Instagram using the hashtags IFAD and International Flashing Awareness Day, along with tagging Big Dog Construction and at the Contracting Handbook and the Life of Bub, and or any of our special guests who gave us recorded answers. Also, tell us the location of where you are posting from in the world. And now the good, the bad, and the ugly about flashing. If you've taken enough stuff apart like I have, and you have found enough rot, (laughs) you know that water just kills buildings and that part of that building could have lived for 150 years instead it's seven years old and i'm tearing it apart and replacing whatever right walls sills who knows it's always it's always crazy to me with deck ledger flashings too because it's actually a pretty simple detail to achieve and and so many people overlook it because they don't well a they they're inexperienced and don't know or they just don't understand how water is ever going to get behind that which is crazy to me what was supposed to be a very simple kitchen remodel turned into hundred and eighty thousand dollar rebuild of the back half of this of this home which was that was pretty awful he literally there's no step flashing there's no counter flashing it's literally put the shingles up to the chimney carry up a couple gallons of roofing tar, spread it on there, paint it on there, and it's flashed. Don't do it the same way you did it 40 years ago, 20 years ago. <laughs> mm-hmm. Garrett for the win. <laughs> Guys, he's got, he's got the big dogs on the run. <laughs> what is going on here? Okay. August 26th is International Flashing Awareness Day. So somewhere on that day, that week, post some type of educational uh, post about flashing details, post about an epic fail, whether it's what to do or what not to do, doesn't matter. Just anything about flashing. Um, uh, my, my crew calls it Smurf, Smurf sperm, um, <laughs> you know, because it's blue and sticky. Uh, Welcome back to the Contracting Handbook Podcast, where today we're celebrating International Flashing Awareness Day. And I have some special guests with me to talk about IFAD. I want to introduce Gina Hoyt and Aaron Jones of Big Dog Construction and Garrett Davis of GW Davis Construction or The Life of Bob. How's it going today, you guys? Great, Mike. We're good. Going great, buddy. Thanks for having me on. 
All right, so what is International Flashing Awareness Day anyway? It's it's a fake holiday I made up. It's uh, an Instagram event where you get to highlight the importance of flashing details. Um, make a post, make a story, highlight something on August 26th. And Aaron, how'd you come up with it? <laughs> he didn't. <laughs> it was a joint effort. <laughs> yeah, so it was a joint effort, but it was one of those moments where you're brainstorming and something just clicks because Gina just finished doing our IG logo for, for Big Dog Construction, the one that's on the, the back of the Flash Me shirt. And then we were like, okay, so what are we going to do for the front of the shirt? Let's do something different we haven't done before. And we spent weeks <laughs> brainstorming. We had like paper all over the table trying to come up with something interesting and cool and, and haha, flashy. Um, and we like finally came up with that and then it just evolved into hey what if we share this with everybody what if we did something really cool that you know we put out on ig and it just snowballed from there i made up a fake holiday messaged a few people like mike and bob here and uh yeah it just it kind of went crazy from there now, are people actually acknowledging and taking the day off? Is it yeah. is it grown? Is are you, do you have an application with the government to make it a national holiday? Not yet, not yet. We're going to see how this year goes. But okay. I think I think if we get a little more traction this year, we probably could uh, you know do something. I think probably have better chance of passing it in the state of Maine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> How there's, a holiday. <laughs> there's a holiday for everything. <laughs> for sure. Uh, how did the first, how the first one go in 2021? Oh, wow. It, it went incredible. Um, I mean, very, very quickly. I knew that it would, it would go. Okay. When Mike Gutrin got on board, he did a lot. He changed it from national flashing awareness day to international flashing awareness day the guy was incredibly helpful and he brought a lot of resources to the table to make that day like bigger than what it would have been um and we were pretty ecstatic we were actually out in bc visiting family when it happened uh last year on august 26th and we were watching all the posts come in and and trying to follow all the hashtags and every, you know, couple minutes he would say, Oh, there's another one. Um, so yeah, everybody participated and did a fantastic job with their videos and, and posts and explanations. And it was, it was pretty amazing. Yeah. I, I was a little bit intimidated once I saw the list of people that started coming out and I had made my little <laughs> ledger flashing one. Man. Like Garrett's <laughs> Garrett's was pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> There were some great ones. Andy uh, had a really cool one too, or really, <laughs> yeah, really funny. Um, it was pretty funny. <laughs> His was the raciest. Yeah, absolutely. The flashiest for sure. The, definitely the flashiest. Yeah. <laughs> Mine was pretty simple, but it was still a good one. It was very educational. Speaking of educational, why do you feel like it's so important to educate people on this? Oh, wow, man. If you've taken enough stuff apart like I have and you have found enough rot, <laughs> you know that water just kills buildings. And a lot of times it's literally like, well, not five cents worth of material. But you understand what I'm getting at. It's like $15 of material, $15 in time. And that part of that building could have lived for 150 years. Instead, it's seven years old and I'm tearing it apart and replacing whatever, right? Walls, sills, who knows? You know, what you have going on in your environment is so much more intense than where I live because you've got driving rain, you've got constant, you got way different humidity regime going on. And it's like what you see happens in slow motion where I live, you know? <laughs> Because the yeah. flashings are, 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 are incorrect, but 
we're not having it's quite the same elements. We've been here for 10 years and we've replaced the entire face of three houses now. Um, and the houses, one of them was under 10 years old and the other two were under 15 years old and they were pretty rotten, like clear through to the drywall. Incredible. It's amazing how, when you look back, I mean, building science has come so long. Buildings aren't that, I mean, uh, the whole concept of buildings isn't that old, but, but they just stayed the same. And then building science just exponentially took off in the last 20 years, really. Because I see houses here that were built for definitely a different environment as opposed to now. And like these houses where you replace the front of the three of them, you know, they were built for a different environment, right? A lot of the problem there is <laughs> everything was kind of the same for a really long time in our industry. And then late 80s, 90s, there was a lot of changes and a lot of building practices and the old ways and the new ways didn't necessarily match up mm -hmm. and people didn't understand that you know when you change the way you do something you have to change the science of how you do it and unfortunately and it's led to a lot of problems you have to educate people i, I call aaron rot dog <laughs> <laughs> oh, i love it <laughs> yeah we just go into every project here if we have to pull a window or a door or take off siding it's like you just assume you're going to find rot you never assume that you're going to go change somebody's exterior door and you're going to be in and out in three or four hours not going to happen no doubt it's a it's a remodel every time right yeah it's like <laughs> a day two days maybe you'll be there for a week we had we have a bunch of other guests uh who are joining us michael ansel ansel of OA Design Build, Joe St. Angelo of Tip Top Exteriors, Peter Hurd of North Country Carpentry, and <laughs> Travis Brungar of Catalyst Build. Let's hear what those guys had to say. What was their favorite flashing detail and why? This is Michael Anchel here. What is my favorite flashing detail and why? You know, I think possibly the, the lowly little kick out flashing might be one of my favorites. Hey guys, Peter Hurd here from North Country Carpentry on the east end of Long Island, New York. And I'm responding to Aaron Jones questions regarding flashing for International Flashing Day 2022. So my favorite flashing detail has to be the kick out flashing where a roof intersects a wall so that intersection could be a second story wall where say a garage roof runs into that wall and you have an eave running into that vertical surface so a kick out flashing is the natural solution there and this is joe san angelo from tip top exteriors like my favorite flashing would have to be the kick out flashing i think it's uh something is often missed and overlooked uh, such a simple little flashing that does so much work. It really makes a world of difference. I've seen the most damage caused by uh, missing or improper kickout flashings. Hey, Aaron, Mike, this is Travis with Catalyst Construction in Prairie Village, Kansas. Thrilled to be celebrating with you two for uh, another International Flashing Awareness Day. Thanks for doing this. Uh, I did want to point out that my favorite flashing detail is the kickout flashing because you're usually managing so much more water because of the roof collecting it. Uh, having that kick out at the sidewall condition to divert the water away from getting into the house as it approaches the edge of the siding or whatever the cladding is, uh, is just such a huge benefit. It's really the, the one thing that I see most often uh, missed or removed on a re-roof and it just creates havoc in a wall system. So that's my go-to if I have to have a favorite flashing. It is the lowly kickout. Everybody likes kickout flashings. <laughs> I would say the kickout flashings are missing from most of the houses where I live. I built a lot of houses without them. I didn't know what they were. They didn't exist when I started building in my area. Like I didn't see anyone doing it. And, you know, you would go do a renovation somewhere and there'd be all this water standing on the sheathing and you'd be like, well, there's got to be a better way. 
And then I would start putting like ice and water shield in that location or something like that. But it was a long time before I was somewhere or somebody showed me, Hey, just take this little piece of step flashing and give it a bend. Yeah. You know, the, it's super rare here. And I think what I used to do was just run the like sidewall flashing out further, like past the edge of the roof (laughs) and and hope and hope it ran into the gutter. It was better than nothing. You can't know what you don't know. Yeah. Do we have any other flashing details that people liked? This is uh, Mike Gurton. My favorite flashing detail is a deck ledger flashing. Unlike other flashing details where if you get it wrong and water gets into the building, either through the roof or the wall, it can lead to rot of the building. With a deck ledger, you've got the added risk of the deck itself collapsing when the ledger pulls away in the event that the uh, rim joist of the house or the plate of the wall ends up decaying. So the stakes are a lot higher when it comes to a deck ledger than with uh, most other flashings. I would definitely say that's a big one that I've invented many times. It is a big one. Um, I haven't personally seen too many decks collapse, but I've, I've fixed a lot that were already sketchy to walk on because there was no flashing or incorrect flashing. Actually, we'll get to it a little bit later, but one of the worst repairs that I had to make was because of a poor ledger flashing. It's always, it's always crazy to me with deck ledger flashings too, because it's actually a pretty simple detail to achieve. And, and so many people overlook it because they don't, <laughs> well, A, they, they're inexperienced and don't know, or they just don't understand how water's ever going to get behind that, which is crazy to me. Yeah, when it starts rotting floor joists inside the house. <laughs> right. You know, people have no idea when you come over how bad the news is going to be. Right. So the third type of favorite flashing comes from Travis Brungart. He is changing his mind about his favorite flashing for the future. You asked what my favorite flashing detail is. And so I wanted to pick one that I see often and one that I rely on, but my favorite future flashing detail, which is probably worth noting is Mike Gurton's suggested uh, counter flash, basically a flashing above a flashing so that when roofing is redone or any cladding changes, the counter flashing remains in place and undisturbed so that it can integrate permanently with the WRB on the household system. But then you can change out the lesser flashing that's below that without disrupting that WRB condition. It's something I've only heard Mike Gurton talk about, and I would love to see it adopted everywhere. Certainly here it would be helpful. I need it's a diagram. A, <laughs> super simple. It's think of like a, a chimney flashing, counter flashing. You've got like a flat flashing that's tied into your WRB, and then like a head flashing for a window or a door, you just tuck underneath. Mm. Oh, yeah. And then if you want to change that window or door, you can pull that flashing out, change your window or door, boom, tuck the new one in. No messing with uh, WRB and stuff like that. Oh, it's slick. Super slick. Yeah. Two other recordings, and they are about kickout flashing. One is about how kickout flashings are easy. The other is about how kickout flashings are a challenge. I think in part because it's just so simple. It can be made without needing to cut anything at all. You just take your needle nose pliers and grab half of it and twist and fold and hammer it and boom, there it is. This gentle kind of perfect little guide um, to send water off in another direction. And it's, it's easy to install, it's very hard to screw up. But it really does such a great job of persuading water to go in a different direction, which is different than so many of the other flashing details where we're really trying to create this very watertight, um, you know, water can't get through, like a pan, you know, pan flashings. And, you know, the kick out is just 
like a nice little nudge. It's just like a little, hey, water, go go that way for that reason, the kick out flashing. So that was Michael Anshell from Way Design Build. And this is Peter Hurd again, talking about it's how they're a challenge. It's my favorite flashing because it's also kind of difficult. Um, if you're going to make it yourself, they're not the easiest things to bend out of aluminum. Um, and you can buy some as well, some pretty good ones on the market. But they are challenging to work with uh, in multiple different types of siding, particularly vinyl siding, because the vinyl doesn't give and bend and cut as easily, say, as shingles would. But I like that challenge. And it's also underutilized. While it's often required in most state codes here in the U.S., um, many inspectors don't enforce that upon inspection. And it presents a challenge almost in every situation. And I like getting up for that challenge. Doing another vinyl siding project, I'd be, I'd be ordering a few. It's super easy. I, I even incorporated mine into the cedar. We use cedar where I put mine on. And it, it, still, it still came out great. It looks awesome. Question two. What's the worst flashing fail you've seen so far in your career? Oh, super easy. Um, it's actually an apartment building. I think the apartment building was seven. It's around seven years old when they called me in. And it was three and a half story buildings. And each full story had a balcony on it. It wasn't a deck. It was a balcony. Uh, but they were, it was all wood frame. And whoever installed the ledger flashing PL'd it down. We won't get into the fact that it was aluminum and direct contract <laughs> pressure treat either. But um, anyways, it started funneling water into the building. And I replaced three and a half stories of wood frame construction, 16 feet at a time, all the way down this apartment building. Um, or the, I didn't do it all in one year cause they just didn't have the budget for it, but yeah, like hundreds of thousands of dollars in repairs is insane. It is incredible what just, you know, a short bit of labor and a hundred bucks worth of flashing. I had one, I had I, I, real quick. I had one similar. It was, it wasn't deck flashing. It was, um, the, the house was like. 10 years old and they had a crown mold detail on all of their windows um, and they did no head flashing on the crown mold so the water was just coming down uh, hitting that going behind the cedar clapboards and it actually absolutely deteriorated almost the entire house that, that was a fun one yeah we also have some input from harvey gesso joe san angelo michael angel mike garrett and patrick mccomb Worst flashing uh, fail that I've seen so far was probably on a newer house that uh, I just worked on. When I say newer, I mean like uh, I think it was like seven years old. Um, they had a leak in one of their windows. So we went to uh, check out the leak and we just took the siding off around the window. And it ended up that that whole back side of the house, which would end up being seven windows, every one of them was rotted. We had to strip the whole back of the house. Uh, the siding, um, take off all the house wrap, end up replacing, I think it was five or six sheets of plywood, probably two bags of insulation, um, and taking the windows out, fixing all the sills, reinstalling all the windows using the proper flashing tape, house wrap again, and residing it. So that was probably the worst I've ever ran into, going from what we thought was one little leak to, re to redoing the whole back of the house. The worst flashing detail I've ever seen uh, is tough because it's kind of the worst when they don't do it at all. No effort is better than some effort. Uh, that being said, sometimes a small effort could cause some issues if it's not done right. So I guess one of the worst things I've ever seen is just recently we were removing a hardy board um, exterior from a home. And the, the top window flashings, the drip caps were actually false. They never made it to the wall. It looks like the siding was installed first and then they just kind of glued some flashing on after to make it look right. But uh, that was pretty pitiful. Ridiculous. It is. It really is. That's like, you get the feeling like an inspector came around and said, oh, you've got to have flashings there. And they just stuck them in to make them look good. This is Michael Anchel. 
worst flashing fail that I've seen in my career so far. That's a tall order. Uh, after 27 years in the industry, I've seen a few. Two stand out. One was a parapet um, scupper flashing detail that hadn't been done right. The membrane only went up about an inch in connection to the scupper. Water had been able to get back behind it. We peeled back the rubber and we found the decking pretty much consumed by carpenter ants. Mm. Uh, and in this, uh, at the wall, I put my hand uh, down towards the studs where I could see there was a little bit of rot. My hand went through the stud and went down all the way to my shoulder. Uh, the studs were completely gone. And the only thing that was holding this wall up was the stucco exterior and the plaster lath interior. There, there was no more wall framing. That was bad. The other was a, uh, a window retrofit installation. Again, another stucco home where they had caulked the window, all four sides to the stucco, which I think they thought made it very waterproof and, and very pretty. They'd also caulked any cracks they could find in the stucco. And they had also drilled the stucco to um, blow in cellulose insulation on the wall. And of course, uh, water moves through stucco. So water was able to get behind the face of the stucco, which is normal, but it had no way to get out. And so it, it sat in this wall, it sat in the cellulose, uh, it sat around this window. And what was supposed to be a very simple kitchen remodel turned into um, $180,000 rebuild um of the back half of this of this home which was that was pretty awful um so those would be my two um worst flashing fails uh, that i can think of at least in this moment that's how our jobs go yeah oh let's go replace a window and you end up replacing half the front of the house we did uh a whole replacement of the house wall, front wall of the house there a few years ago. And we didn't use any tools for demo. <laughs> just pushed it apart. You just pull it I, out with your hands. I've looked, never. Looked like it was burnt. Like if, if you didn't know what serious dry rot looked like, it looked like it was like just charred. You would think it was on fire at one point in time. Oh my God. You know, I've never done stucco. I've seen, there's very little of it where I live. I don't really know how it's even installed, but is there like a rain screen? Um, Cause I'm hearing Michael talk about water getting behind it. And I think Patrick McComb too, like this is, how do they deal with water? There's supposed to be a rain screen behind it. Mm. Uh, I haven't dealt with a lot of stucco, but one of the places I lived and worked, there was quite a bit of it and not unusual for you to see it go on like literally right over top of like a double layer of Tyvek. Mm -hmm. That's not going to last. Looks pretty for a minute. Wait, so it's just sticking to the Tyvek? <laughs> oh no, there's there's a wire lap on there too. Oh, oh, yeah. oh okay. Oh. <laughs> oh, then we're good. We're good. That's where, that, that's where my head went, Garrett. I was... Just, well, <laughs> I believe anything, though, at this point. I've, I've seen so many crazy things on houses, you know. Right. I think mine, mine is, I know we're going to continue, but mine, it just popped in my head, was I went to look at a roof and immediately saw there was no sidewall flashing, and I knew this was going to be bad. No sidewall flashing on a house that was 30 years old. And so I went inside, looked around. The roof actually didn't wasn't as bad as I thought, but she was like, oh, there's one more thing. There's a crack in my floor downstairs. Foundation's cracked. And I go down in the crawl space and they've got dimensional lumber for, for their bottom sill on concrete with no flashing. And the whole perimeter of the house is completely rotten. And I'm, I'm like, you need to lift the house up and re reattach it to concrete. 
because it basically wasn't attached anymore. Just rotten wood everywhere. So crazy. Yeah. Just like laziness almost, you know, laziness and no, no experience. Here, a lot of it was uh, fly-by-night building because of the when the Trans-Alaska pipeline went in. You know, it's it just there was a flood of workers up here, and people just slapped up housing, and then <clears throat> and then guys that were renting took leftover stuff and just slapped up more stuff. <laughs> I mean, you can tell when you remodel a house that it was an electrician's house because there's there's wire nuts everywhere. They're just using scraps of wire throughout the walls. <laughs> nothing, nothing in boxes. Just running crazy gina do we have a couple more uh flashing fails to listen to yep pull up patrick mccomb from fine home building so a few years ago i had a chance to go to southeast pennsylvania to watch a stucco inspection for fine home building this part of the u.s has a lot of relatively new housing with stucco exteriors these homes which are roughly 10 to 20 years old follow the regional tradition of stucco on nicer residential buildings Problem is, many of these newer homes have poor or non-existent flashing details. It's such a problem that stucco inspections are a routine part of real estate transfers there. Driving around, I saw two different homes with their exteriors completely torn apart, trim off, stucco torn off, windows out. The OSB sheathing in spots was completely gone. In other sections, it was discolored or delaminating. It was a complete mess. I'm sure repairs were gonna cost six figures on the projects I saw, and uh, I think that's typical. What's worse is these homes often look perfectly fine from the outside, and the first clue someone has living there that there's a problem going on is the house just starts to stink like mold or they get mold on the drywall under a window or in a corner. Uh, the likely places where stucco would leak Sometimes they call the HVAC tech who might, you know, try and sell them a new air conditioner or additional dehumidification. Sometimes uh, they'll call the uh, pest control person and they'll start spraying for bugs because it's full of carpenter ants or other insects that like wet wood. Some estimates say that there are more than 50,000 homes that are affected in parts of Pennsylvania and New Jersey with these problems. I can tell you it's a big, expensive mess having bad flashing. And this is Mike Gurdon. I've seen countless flashing failures on buildings throughout my career, but the worst has to be on a four-story condo complex where the balconies of each unit cantilevered from inside the building, so it had penetrations through the wall for the beams and the joists. There was no flashing at the water-resistive barrier level, nor at the brick veneer. In order to make repairs, every unit is going to have to have the brick cladding removed and then flashed, as well as any rot repairs that are underneath there. So it's going to be a very expensive repair just for what could have, should have been just a simple flashing around each of those cantilever joists and beams. I'd have a, I have a video on my IGTV of how I, how I did some cantilever joists. It's kind of a cool one. And where do people find that, Garrett? Uh, you can find it on my Life Above on Instagram uh, in my IGTV section. Because I actually ran into a crazy, horrible flashing detail on a remodel on cantilever decks. <laughs> and I had to rip apart the both both bedrooms that had these in them um, to get yeah. to the subfloor and replace it. It was pretty gnarly. I try and avoid cantilever decks. Um, yeah, they're typically in our area. They're a recipe for disaster. Typically, hundred percent. I can see why people did it. I can see the thinking. I, I as a young when I was young. And just like do this easiest, best way and, and be smart. And it's just like something like that is what I would have chosen, you know, because it seems to make sense. But yeah, not in my environment. No way. Uh, my, my method involved a lot of zip liquid flash, uh, copper flashing, a lot of tapes, <laughs> a, lot, a lot of a lot of a lot of. <laughs> yeah. How common is it where you live to see buildings without proper flashing? And we have a couple people that called in. The most annoying lack of flashing I see around here in our area is we have a licensed roofer who is notorious for flashing chimneys 
with roofing tar. He literally, there's no step flashing. There's no counter flashing. It's literally butt the shingles up to the chimney, carry up a couple gallons of roofing tar, spread it on there, paint it on there, and it's flashed. I think that's and called we old even school. approached him about that. And he's like, well, they already had tar on there. So what's it matter? Or if it's not like a brand new chimney or brand new house, he's like, well, it's an old chimney. Who cares? It's like the tar is going to crack and leak. And he has done beyond dozens of roofs in the house in this town. And it's all just tarred on there. Very annoying, very frustrating. That was Matt Bloomquist from Build, Learn, Teach. He's the high school shop class teacher from Taylorville High. And Matt's doing some amazing work if you guys want to check him out. Uh, they're building high Absolutely. performance classes or houses in their shop class. Very, very Yeah, cool. and he's educating kids on new products and he's not just teaching the same old apprenticeship program like a lot of us end up with. He's teaching new methods, new building science and new products. Like we, we don't use tar to seal roof leaks anymore. We use other products. There's better things out there. You know, if you're going to band-aid something anyway. Yeah. They're doing like high performance building at a high school level and getting blower door numbers that like builders with 20, 30 years and can't even touch. It's crazy. It's crazy. This is Mike Gurton. Most homes in my area do not have proper flashings. It's unfortunate to say, but I think there are a few reasons for this, starting with the plans. The plans that the builders are working from are not developed to the point where the designer has included section details showing how the flashing should be designed and sized. So that's one part of it. That leaves it up to the installers. And there, there's a couple of problems. First off, most installers are not familiar with good flashing practices. And even if they are, a lot of the flashings include or, or have the potential to have two or three different trades involved. Say it's a, a roof to wall connection or even around windows where you've got trim and siding coming into the windows. Whose job is it to make sure that each of those details are flashed properly? So if nobody has the responsibility, say the cider or the roofer or the window installer, then it ends up being nobody's responsibility. And then lastly, I think the inspections that we have in our area don't focus on flashing. So focus on structural elements, but they're not looking, the building inspectors aren't looking at the flashing. So when you combine all of those elements, I think the flashings get overlooked. So we end up with a lot of problems. I'm going to chime right in on that one because I, I, I think where I live, it evolved into the GC has to just take charge and be sure it's all done right because it's still it is still relatively to to completely flash a house properly is is still kind of left to the wayside in a lot of ways. You know, I've looked at my house with my my siding guy, for instance, and I remember we were standing there going, looking at something going. I was like, who's gonna, you know, and I was like, I have to figure it out and make sure that they install it right. 100%. It happens all the time for us too. Um, a lot of places they'll have inspections, like you'll have a foundation inspection, like a pre-backfill inspection. You'll have a, a framing or a pre-drywall inspection. And then you'll have like an occupancy inspection. Unless there is like a building envelope inspection, which is happening in a few places, there's nobody actually checking to see that yeah, any of your details are right. Speaking of inspections and code, let's hear from Desmond. You know, at the siding guy. It's actually quite common where I live to see buildings without proper flashings. And one main reason I think that is, is because nothing in the residential sector gets inspected here. We all try to follow the national building code. For example, a man door here, usually there's a one inch overhang. According to code, there should be a reverse drip flashing under that door. I have never once seen a man door with a metal flashing under there to follow code. And I think it's because it'll get dented. Aesthetically, it's not pleasing, but nothing ever gets called. 
So there's a fine line between following code and making sure water does not infiltrate the house. It's uh, something that definitely needs to be addressed in the future. It's crazy because the, <clears throat> the custom that I just finished up, you know, I'd had like a pretty crazy rain screen detail and stuff. And <clears throat> the code enforcement officer, when he came for my framing inspection, he didn't even understand why it was there. Um, you know, I explained my head casing details over my windows and I'm explaining these things to the code enforcement guy that was about to pass me because it looked like it was okay structurally. But it's like, if you fail on flashings and your structure goes out the door, cause it's going to ruin it eventually. hundred <laughs> percent. I mean, if you're putting a warranty on a house you're building, uh, I think we offer a 10 year structural <laughs> warranty. So if your structure disintegrates in seven years because you couldn't put a head flashing on top of a window or a door, how many houses are you going to build before, you know? <laughs> Gina, who else do we have here? We have Peter Hurd. While a lot of guys around here, guys and girls are very proactive and um, really trying to do a good job and use new products. There are still some folks who, really don't move with the times. So when it comes to window flashing by me, still see quite a number of contractors rolling out black plastic visqueen and putting it around the perimeter of the window, installing the window, and then running their house wrap over that visqueen. Yikes. Um, it's just because they're, they're comfortable with it. They've used it for 40 years or 50 years, and they're not going to change now. So um, I still see that somewhat common. And when I use more modern flashings and flashing details, both self-adhered and, and uh, aluminum bended, all that kind of stuff, I still get some funny looks and questions, you know, why do you go to all that trouble, that kind of stuff. So I still see a lot of window flashing details th that are gotten wrong. Uh, reverse laps on the heads of the windows, all that kind of stuff. It's amazingly common despite the failures and so much information being available through social media and on avenues like YouTube and magazines and print media, that kind of stuff. Uh, that's my answer. Question number three. That so is... Question, though. What is Bisqueen? <laughs> I was going to ask the same thing. It's <laughs> <laughs> polysheeting. Yeah. Like what you're used for your vapor barrier. Oh, like you used for to, real? Yeah, it's yeah. like six it's mil. A brand name. Yeah. Oh, it's a yeah, it's a brand name. Synonymous with the product where I live. You know, like oh a tissue. Oh my god. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Uh, that is. It is funny how terms are. There's so many different words for the same things in construction. And then oh, we've got right. like my foreman who just invents a new word for everything <laughs> every year. <laughs> uh, what's, what's he talking about? <laughs> you don't, I don't know. Snippy clippy. Exactly. <laughs> snippy, snippy. I don't know, but it sounds cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that that answer was very much the quintessential reason why there needs to be International Flashing Awareness Day. Forty years. I've been doing it this way for forty years. Well, shouldn't be doing it that way any, anymore. Let's go to question four. What flashing detail do you see missed altogether or installed wrong the most? This is Michael Anchel. What flashing detail do I see done wrong the most where I live? And why do I think that is? It's windows. Of course, it's windows. It's always windows. <laughs> the bringing of Tyvek into the opening, while technically not a flashing mistake, it's a WRB installation mistake. You see it everywhere especially in the south when i have to travel down there it's awful to see still in some um product manufacturers installation instructions which blows my mind the worst of the, the flashing detail on windows that i see done wrong the most is bringing the flashing tape beyond the flashing flange so that it is on the window frame. And I think there is a general misunderstanding 
because it's not taught very well and it's not explained very well in any of the installation guides that the flashing flange, which connects to the front, the window frame is not a watertight connection. It, it, it loose, it's loose, it slides back and forth. Making sure that that tape goes the, you know, over that and makes that connection to the window frame and is pressured, is rolled or what, right? So that it makes that nice cohesion bond. Um, that is definitely the, the flashing detail that I see done wrong the most. And I, I even see it done wrong occasionally on my projects, which drives me nuts. Um, not often, but it, it does happen. And I think that um, maybe it's people going too fast or it's just hard to get the tape to roll up the edge. Um, anyway, that's, uh, that's it. So he was, was talking about windows where the nailing flange is put on separate. Like Marvin windows. Yeah. Like the ones we did on Whitehead. Yeah. Right. I was wondering, because I don't have that. I, that's not a thing I've dealt with. No, the windows yeah. we typically install have a an integrated nailing flange. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, and and Siga actually just came out with a new product where it makes it a lot easier to get that uh, sealed, so you're not trying to fold sticky tape up on the window. Because I use a lot of Pella's, and Pella's have an integrated flange, but it still moves. So mm. I have to tape I have to tape onto the the window itself, and doing that with like zip tape is a friggin' nightmare. <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah. So I was really psyched to see Sega come out with something like that because I'll definitely use that product. Is there like a corner bead in, in integrated tape for stuff like that? You know, like a 90 or anything like that for a window flange? That's what Sega came out with. Yeah. Oh, okay. A, That's it. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to edit that. I'm going to edit that right out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should leave it. It's good emphasis. Yeah. Okay. I haven't you seen can, it in person, but it's like a reverse Fendrum. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you can actually put your flat over the flange, and then you peel the other part off and stick it to the window uh, itself. Okay. With that. Yeah. Cool, yeah. I, I, I remember I live at the end of the road. We don't have a lot of this stuff. <laughs> okay, well, let's listen to what Harvey has to say. And Harvey owns Maritime Carpentry in St. John, which is literally on the other side of our ferry so he's he's wow. building and and doing stuff in the same kind of environment as we are and we'll be hearing from harvey here on the pod in a couple weeks thanks cool i'm gonna say the flashing detail that's done wrong the most here in the city especially uh, uptown st john is probably going to be the drip cap above the windows and the proper flashing tape around the windows um i say that because most of the times you get these fly-by-nighters that'll come in and do these uh, projects for the property manager, like install new windows, install new doors. And the property manager just wants it done as quick as possible. So they're not done the right way. So when I go fix it, 70, 80% of the time, there's rot around the windows and we end up having to take off the cedar shingles, taking the whole window out, rebuilding the sill, and then installing it properly. So I feel like here in St. John, that's probably one of the biggest issues and concerns is the proper flashing around windows and doors. I'd have to agree with that. One of the things that still drives me nuts is if I'm driving by a place and you see them slapping the new door on the hall and you know that door is sitting right on plywood. Like there's, <laughs> there's, like there's nothing there. And I won't say that I never installed the door like that because way back when that was that was what we were shown. That's what we were taught. You know, but don't do it the same way you did it 40 years ago, 20 years <laughs> ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say here that it's windows, doors, ledger flashing, deck ledger <laughs> flashing, sidewall flashing, headwall flashing. My favorite is when when someone's got like a 412 coming off a window, a little bump out below a window, and you got a headwall flashing and they just stuck a 90 on there and then and then screwed it. Top and bottom, there's a massive <laughs> bow. Because they because they either didn't think they could get the steel bent that way, or they were just like, oh, this will work. You know, whatever. <laughs> we went to reinstall a door at a house one time because the door leaked underneath. And they 
told us it was because the previous installer said there wasn't any room for flashing. There was like yes. more than enough room. Like, oh, I love it. Like this little <laughs> tiny piece of aluminum or some membrane tape or something. There was no room for it. The homeowner oh, knew it was supposed to be there. And the guy putting the door in was like, yeah, there's no room. Love it. Oh, I forgot That's about good. that. It was a good one. Oh, that was a good one. I remember that door. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I feel like there's such like a, like obviously the new ways too. Like I know some old timers that believe that water doesn't get behind buildings still, you know, it's like now, now we build to know that water is going to get behind there eventually. And we just want to make sure it doesn't ruin stuff. Like I just, I, I have a sub that I use sometimes and he calls me GW overkill because he's just so stuck in his old ways. And he's like, why are we doing this? I'm like, dude, because we have to do this. He's like, oh, I just don't get it. I'm like, well, you don't have to. Just, just do it. Yeah, watch and learn, buddy. Watch and learn. Yeah, you don't need to understand the building science. You just need to do it the right yeah. way. It'll dry right. out in summer. It'll dry out in summer. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. In the spray take, foam house. I would take being accused of overbuilding every day of the week because yes. the other option not real great yeah right 100 no all right next question what's your go-to flashing product and why i've got a few <laughs> all the tapes that are out there now are amazing like all the zip tapes the 3m tapes uh any of the stuff from sega all great stuff but liquid flash if you have a hard problem to solve, like something that just doesn't make sense, or maybe something you've got to do out of sequence because it's completely self-terminating. And as long as you do it right, it doesn't really care when you apply it. It's like, I'm not sure I'm going to deal with this. Liquid flash. <laughs> you know, when I look at Instagram and watch you guys with all these fancy new tapes, I've just it's like watching the future because it's not here. <laughs> all that stuff isn't here. Where I, live. I would definitely agree with Aaron on liquid flash. I love that stuff. It is like, it makes tricky spots not tricky because you can just smear it in there and, and flex it and move it around. It's really, it's really good stuff. Let's hear what uh, Michael Anshel had to say. Anything that is lapped is my favorite flashing go-to detail. Uh, but in terms of product, I... Um, Truthfully, I've become quite enamored with Benjamin Obdyke's uh, Hydro Flash LA, uh, the blue goo. Um, uh, my, my crew calls it Smurf, Smurf sperm, um, <laughs> you know, because it's blue and sticky. Uh, but it's, uh, all jokes aside, it's, it's a really dynamic uh, product that, we've been able to use to solve some um, otherwise very, very challenging um, details. Uh, any fluid applied flashing, you know, is always going to, uh, not always, but it, it really solves so many issues. But this one in particular, the, the kind of the thick vis viscous nature of it, um, the ability to, to travel it and for it to stay in place, um, it flows a little, but not too much. Um, it, it's quite, it's quite workable. It can be applied thick. It can be applied thin. Um, and uh, so, yeah, um, we're going to, I'm going to go with the Obdike Hydroflash LA as my favorite flashing product. Which is the exact same product basically as zip systems liquid flash it's just a different brand yep. okay let's see what mike garrett had to say i have two favorite flashing products that i purchase uh, they're both kick out flashings one is the dry flex kick out flashing and the other is the jade kick out flashing and i use them depending on what type of siding is going on i might choose one over the other 
I make all of my own custom flashings for everything else. And the reason for that is all of the stock flashings that are available locally are pretty much either don't meet building code or they're not sized the way I want them. So my only go-tos are those two kickout flashings. And for anybody out there listening, that was Mike Garrett. And if you check him out on Instagram, you can see him on his break making a lot of these flashings. Yeah, he's a fantastic resource for anybody who wants to see how stuff is done. Yeah, he's a book. He's a wealth of knowledge for sure. He's, he's the yeah. book. Any other comments on the Smurf sperm or anything? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm actually, I'm going to be using some Benjamin Obdike on my next build, which I'm pretty excited for. I think we're collaborating a little bit too, the company and I. So um, I haven't used their products, so I'm kind of excited to, I'm always excited to try new things. So they make and, a lot of awesome products. Yeah. Yeah. Right from like WRBs and um, Cedar Breather, like rain screens. It's what we use yeah. the most for rain screens when we're doing Cedar Shingles. House Slicker. Yeah. Yeah. The Home Slicker. Um, yeah. Mm. You know, there's been a lot of uh, product names getting dropped during the pod, but one of them is a little more upfront here than the others. Uh, Sega North America became a partner in the International Fashion Awareness Day. So how did that come about? If you're going to go bigger, go bigger. <laughs> last, last year, we bought the t-shirts, we printed the t-shirts, we did everything on our own. And we knew we wanted to get a few more t-shirts out there. Um, and, you know, even the postage alone is, <laughs> it adds up, right? Um so we just thought, well, you know, if somebody was even willing to pay for the t-shirts, we'd you know, <laughs> put it out there and see if anybody wanted to be involved in Sega North America. Um, they wanted to be part of it. So uh, they got their, there we go. <laughs> We're looking at the Sega That's logo. That's awesome. <laughs> and and uh, go ahead, Gina. Siga is fantastic. You see them in all the building science stuff that we watch. If you go and look at any of the podcasts or um, they were involved with the, um, the wall build assembly. Yeah. The sweet 16, the sweet 16. They're always up for helping educate and showing builders and, and tradespeople how their products can improve their quality of work and and how long it lasts so we didn't have any issues approaching them because we thought they were a good fit and funny enough the blue color of the t-shirts this year is actually the blue of sega's logo that didn't happen on purpose marcus huh. Nottigal actually chose the blue color of the t-shirt before we ever approached sega um so it kind of worked out really nice it was meant to so be so that that's why they said yes. <laughs> Actually, they said yes before they found out about anything. <laughs> uh, it worked out well. It's, uh, yeah. And Marcus yeah, made pretty, all the shirt. Go ahead. No, I was, I was just going to say, I'm pretty sure that Steve Basic's going to have a bunch of SIGA involved in my spec house that he's designing me. So I'm kind of excited about that. Well, when Very he comes cool. to your site, make sure that he wears his Flash Me shirt. And Marcus made all the shirts, and, and I think he had a little contribution to the show today. He did. He wanted to talk a little bit about producing them and some special features that are on the shirt this year that he uh, he designed. Hey, it's Marcus with uh, Nightingale Design. Um, I was a collaborator and creator of the Flash Me shirts for Big Dog Construction for this year's International Flashing Awareness Day. And what we wanted to do is we wanted to get it together um, the front with something that would stand out, which is why we went with a bit more of a silver ink, kind of representative of flashing as well, just that there's a, a connection there, not just in the words. Um, we put a QR code on the sleeve so that we could incorporate a direct connection to Aaron as one of the main driving forces behind this sort of social media presence which has been a lot of fun to collaborate with to make sure that we get the detail right so it actually works, but it sits well on the shirt. Um, just a lot of fun and, and also challenging to get that going, but it came out really nice. Um, 
And yeah, just picking a color, even for the shirt that stood out in and amongst the every shirt you see in a video on Instagram. So it was just a fun challenge and a fun opportunity as a kind of a startup business to collaborate with this and um, to try and get it put out there. So Marcus was talking about the QR code that's on the sleeve of the Flash Me shirts. Um, it actually takes you to Big Dog's Instagram page when you scan it. Hmm. It's pretty cool. That is cool. Where we, where can we where can we get the shirts? Ooh, <laughs> yeah. So last year last year we just gave them away and we printed a very limited number. I think we did fifty or fifty five. Um, this year we've given out and sent out over seventy t shirts to participants who are going to be a part of the event on um, August 26th but we did have some extras printed we have sizes everything from small to 3xl um, but there is a very limited number of most of the sizes so we're going to just do it the old-fashioned way and you can email me at flashmeday at outlook.com and I will email you back, find out your size, your address, and we'll figure out the money. They are going to be $50 Canadian, shipping included. Sweet. Costs about $20 to ship a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> nothing cheap, nothing cheap out there these days. No. No. But we had a lot of interest last year. Aaron got a lot of DMs on Instagram about people wanting the shirt. And I think we'll continue going forward with having a different shirt every year. Um, so, you know, this is a way for those people to be able to get one. And, you know, it helps us with covering the cost to, to put this on. Absolutely. Very cool. Now, are you encouraging others to uh, participate in Flash Me, Flashing Awareness, International Flashing Awareness Day on Instagram as well? And if so, how can they do it? Absolutely. Well, as you know, August 26th is International Flashing Awareness Day. So somewhere on that day, that week, that whole entire week, if you'd like, uh, post some type of educational uh, post about flashing details, post about an epic fail, uh, anything you like, really, just something to do with helping to improve our industry, whether it's what to do or what not to do, doesn't matter. Just anything about flashing. Very cool. Well, thanks for coming on and, and, and sharing this day, this holiday with us. Hopefully we get another day off as a result of it. <laughs> Do contractors ever take a day off? How many holidays no. do you guys work? Not really. All of them. All of them. Yeah, if you take two them. weeks off, you're about three days into your two-week vacation before you shut down. And then you have probably like about seven days that are actually vacation. And then you got a few days of vacation left. So you're starting to think about Where? what you need to do. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. All right, you guys. Yeah. Um, let's do one last thing that's kind of some continuity from the show. You know, at the end of the show, I've been asking people what their favorite tools are. But what I was going to do today is have you three guess what my favorite tool is. We'll start with that one. <laughs> Just let's go. Hammer. Oh, that's a hard one. That's all. Multi tool. Check. Garrett for the win. Oh, nice. What what is my most useful tool? <laughs> Your mind. This podcast. <laughs> A multi-tool. Yes. <laughs> Garrett for the win. The guys, he's got you, he's got the big dogs on the run. What is going on here? Okay. The fix is in <laughs> the where have you been all my life tool what is my where have you been all my life tool crescent wrench <laughs> no uh <laughs> tracks off 
Multi-tool. The multi-tool <laughs> for the win. I love my multi-tool. I love a lot of my tools, you guys. I mean, I love my PEX uh, tube expander as well. I mean, and, and my Viking arm, which I've added to the collection recently. That's a tool the, I didn't know I needed. You know what's a great combination? The uh, Viking arm and a windbag when you're replacing a door slab by yourself. They're like the ultimate combo. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I could see using stuff like that in combo for sure. Yep. Because they've just got different tolerances for what you're doing. Yeah, totally. Totally. Hey, guys. Well, thanks for getting together today. I can't believe we all got in one room. This is amazing. Thanks for yeah. having us. Yeah. yeah, we really appreciate both of you doing this with us. My pleasure. Thanks for including me. I appreciate it. All right, I'm going to line you guys out right now. In return for all the tips and tutorials Aaron does on his big dog feed, you're going to make a post with your favorite failure or flashing detail or whatever. Use the hashtag IFAD or the hashtag International Flashing Awareness Day and tag at Big Dog Construction. Add me too if you want and add Life Above too if you want. And here's a reminder from Aaron. August 26th is International Flashing Awareness Day. So somewhere on that day, that week, post some type of educational uh, post about flashing details, post about an epic fail, uh, anything you like, really. Just something to do with helping to improve our industry, whether it's what to do or what not to do, doesn't matter. Just anything about flashing. And don't forget, this podcast has been downloaded in over 70 countries with contributors from five different countries. So if you do post, please put the location of where you are posting from. Thanks so much. And just a little Mike Kinoki side note here. While I cannot personally endorse the products mentioned here today because I have not used most of them, I do endorse building better. Sega actually flew a bunch of my building heroes over to Switzerland to check out their products and building techniques used overseas. It was inspiring to see, and like Jake Bruton pointed out while he was there at a window installation workshop, any company putting this much money towards making sure their windows are installed properly is a good company to work with. So here's one final word from Sega Swiss flashing champ Aaron Jones. Sega is proud to sponsor International Flashing Awareness Day 2022. Properly handling flashing details protects our building's weakest points from damage. Let's get it right, build it tight. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, please share it directly from your phone to Instagram stories and don't forget to tag us. Don't forget to write a review for the Contracting Handbook podcast. Or rate me on Spotify. Thanks again for joining us on the second annual International Flashing Awareness Day. That's all I got. Later.